You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 104 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I'm your host, Brad Rowland. Uh, on this fine Monday evening, as I am recording this late, late night after the Hawks uh, took on the Minnesota Timberwolves, uh, it was a definitely a very, very weird day for the Hawks from the start and to the finish. I know you're, listening, you're probably listening to this on Tuesday, so I apologize for a little bit of delay. That's kind of what you get with this podcast. If you're a new listener, I always record the night before, but uh, that's, that's so that you guys can get this thing first, first thing in the morning. For those of you that are like myself on the early morning commute grind with your day jobs, uh, hopefully this will be some early morning listening for you guys. But uh, in terms of the game, uh, the final result was a 104-90 to loss for the Hawks in Minnesota against the Timberwolves. And frankly, it was a game that was not as close as that final margin would indicate. If you missed this one, the Hawks were uh, trailing by a significant margin for most of the second half, uh, as many as 29 points in the second half. And really, down the stretch, it never really got closer than about a 20-point margin until the very, very end of this game in pure and simple garbage time. So this was a blowout loss, make no mistake about it, for the Hawks, but they did come back late to get within 14 points. Uh, we'll talk about the game, obviously, but before that, I want to talk about a little bit of what led up to this game. Uh, Dwight Howard uh, was back in the lineup and, and did play in this game. Tim Hardaway Jr. did not play. Um, early, in the, early in the day, the Hawks uh, actually last, uh, I should say last night, Sunday night, as the Hawks sent, sent out an official injury report, they listed both Dwight Howard and Tim Hardaway Jr. as out for this game. Which uh, you know, when, just for those of you who don't don't really follow this, this stuff closely, when the Hawks announced the injury report, that is the official designation. Uh, and really, for from all all intents and purposes, if they announce somebody that's out, I cannot remember the last time that they made an announcement of someone being out and that had had, had that player play. Um, but in this instance, the uh, Hawks went back on that later uh, on Monday afternoon. They announced that Howard and Howard and Hardaway Jr. became probable uh, for the game. Chris Vivelmore of the AJC was on this early on when they when the team announced the report he kind of immediately was on this that they might play that they had traveled but it was just such a weird situation that we, we kind of had to assume that both players would not play considering that they were actually you know ruled out officially by the team but in this instance uh, both were uh, upgraded to probable late, later in the game and it was actually kind of a surprise at the end that Hardaway Jr. did not end up playing in this game he was a late scratch after warming up uh, Vivamore indicated uh, he was on site in Minnesota and he indicated that it was basically a situation in which Hardaway Jr. was not 100% after warming up, and they felt that it would be better that he not go here. So a couple of interesting things there. Obviously, nothing you know hugely noteworthy other than the fact that Howard did not end up playing in this game, which is very encouraging. I thought it looked pretty good. We'll talk about him in a second. But uh, just some uh, some non-standard operating procedure stuff for the Hawks that I wanted to at least hit on at the top just to kind of highlight what was definitely a very, very weird day at the office. Also, uh, before the game started, Chris Vivamore reported that uh, if Hardaway and Howard had played in the, uh, had both played in this game, it was going to be Torian Prince that was inactive, which would have been quite bizarre in my opinion. Uh, Prince played only one minute in the game on Friday. We talked about that on Monday's show, and that DeAndre Bembry played 19 minutes in pretty surprising fashion. Uh, and once again here, Bembry played uh, early in this game, and Prince did not. Prince did, did get some uh, garbage time minutes. 
But I thought that would have been very, very interesting if the Hawks had actually made Prince inactive for a gang. Considering he was basically on the verge of the rotation uh, a pretty short time ago. So uh, definitely an interesting thing to monitor in the coming days. It looks like Torian Prince might be in the doghouse a little bit. There was some speculation on Twitter from some people that he might be injured. Uh, he did, you know, he played in this game and did not appear to be injured. So I think that would basically just be a play consideration, a performance consideration. And that is definitely, a, you know... Definitely surprising in my view that the Hawks would go away from Prince kind of this sharply early in the year, especially in favor of Bembry, though. Bembry did play well on Friday, and that should be noted. And I thought he, you know, did a couple of decent things here in this game on Monday night. But uh, that's all the pregame stuff we have to talk about. And now we can talk about what was definitely a not particularly fun basketball game for the Atlanta Hawks. Um, you know, for the, the first half was much, much better than the second, I will say, especially the first quarter, easily the best quarter of the ones that mattered. You know, the fourth quarter, the Hawks did outscore the Wolves 25 to 15, but that quarter was basically entirely comprised of garbage time. So, uh, the middle two quarters was where the damage was done from, from the Wolves outscoring the Hawks 66 to 40 in the second and third quarters. Uh, but yeah, it was, it was definitely a, a about as miserable of a two-quarter performance as, as, the, as this team has had all season long, and that's kind of a high bar considering a couple of the stickers they've had. But that two quarters in the middle was definitely uh, definitely a rock-bottom performance uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, all told in this game, the Hawks allowed the Wolves to score 115 points per 100 possessions, which is not good by any stretch, but actually is probably better than this team deserved. That, that number was in the 120s for most of the second half uh, for the over, in terms of the overall game performance. And, Really, Minnesota kind of did whatever they wanted to do offensively throughout this game. The the Wolves knocked down 15 of their 31 threes for 48.4%. Um, Carl Anthony Towns was spotless in this game, 22 points, 11 rebounds on 8 of 8 shooting, 3 of 3 from 3, and 3 of 3 from the free throw line. Andrew Wiggins, 21 points on 4 of 6 from 3. Zach Levine, 21 points on 6 of 9 from 3. If not from an 0 of 5 from uh, Nemanja Bielitsa, uh, this, 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 it would have been an even, even more embarrassing performance for the defense. So, uh, in short, you know, the, the, the addition of Dwight Howard usually makes this team better defensively. That did not happen in this game through no, you know, very little fault of Dwight's. I, should, I shouldn't say no fault, no fault, but very little fault of Dwight's. Uh, it was more on the perimeter and sort of the uh, some assignment stuff that was going wrong for Atlanta throughout this game. And the, per- the perimeter defense was ghastly. And most most aspects, I will say that Minnesota shot the ball probably better than you would expect them to shoot, even when they're open. So you know that those numbers are at least slightly misleading, I think. But uh, make, no, make no mistake, this Hawks team did not play well defensively here, and they were punished for it by a team that is very, very talented. Despite the fact that Minnesota has entered this game with, nine and th- with a 9-19 and record, this is a very talented and dangerous team, and they made the Hawks look very, very silly for most of this game. Uh, offensively, there were some moments of positivity here. Uh, Howard himself uh, had 20 points and 12 rebounds, only 21 minutes. He shot 9 of 9 from the floor. Uh, all of those were basically un- uncontested, but he was uh, all over the place. Had six offensive rebounds in this game. The Hawks... Actually rebounded 30%, 37% of their misses on the offensive glass, which is a huge number for Atlanta. Uh, six of those came from Howard, but 17 offensive rebounds in this game. Uh, Chris Humphries had five in his limited time off the bench in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, On a game where you, where you where you offensive rebound like that, you would expect the team to, to score more efficiently, but it's kind of a, you know an underlying factor of just how bad this was offensively and that when you do rebound like that and create those easy opportunities on the second chance points and still don't, still don't score more than a point per possession it's a very very ugly proposition and the team shot eight of 32 from three in this game 
Uh, o of o of three from Millsap, O of two from Bazemore, O of two from Schroeder, one of five from Scott, one of four from Miscala, O of three from Delaney, uh, a two of six from Corver, which is you know below average for him. Uh, Seth Felosha was the only guy on the team that had a good shooting night. He shot a three of four from three, and that's uh, most of that came early on for Tabo. So it was a mixed bag of ugliness in terms of the offense here, and uh, the final score again was not quite indicative of what we saw uh, from the uh, individual, you know, from the collective. I would say in this game, uh, we'll go back to Dwight Howard a little bit here. He had 13 points, nine, nine rebounds at, at the end of the first half, and I thought in general he, his individual play was encouraging. Uh, you know, Howard missed the last couple of games with back stiffness, and it was kind of cryptic, especially with the aforementioned discussion of the injury report, but Howard looked to be pretty much full strength here. I did not see any lingering effects, at least visibly from my television screen um, on Howard. I thought he was uh, energetic and spry, especially early on here, and that was good to see from a player that has those history of back troubles and at his age you kind of worry a little bit or at least I do but uh, no ill effects that I saw from Dwight. I thought he individually was pretty good here. There's there were some issues on the defensive end that you know that involved him. I won't say faulted him again, but just some communication stuff, some scheme issues. The Hawks. Uh, I've kind of famously had trouble going back and forth from the Howard defense to the non-Howard defense this season. You saw a lot of that here. There's always some confusion. It's very interesting to see uh, from the Hawks team under Mike Budenholzer this kind of defensive confusion in terms of assignment basketball. And you know, over the last few years, that's one thing you could definitely rely on with Atlanta is the fact that they would execute their scheme, even if, even on, even at times where it did not work. I think of obviously the Cleveland the Cleveland postseason matchups in which the Cavs kind of lit things up from three point land. They were they were at least trying to execute their scheme you knew what they were trying to do even if they were unable to do it and if it might have been a misguided scheme but at least you could look and see look this is what the Hawks are trying to do they're going to try to force this here or force this here whereas now um, there is definitely some uncertainty on a night-to-night basis as to what the Hawks are actually trying to do defensively and that is frustrating for a team that absolutely needs to be high level on the defensive end because of the offensive issues that we've discussed on this podcast at nauseum this season but I mentioned this before the game over the last 15 games this is before Monday night the Hawks were one of the bottom five teams in the league defensively, and their their numbers in this game will not help that cause. So uh, this has been a long, it's basically you're talking about half the season at this point in which the Hawks have been uh, very, very bad defensively, and that is jarring for a team that has to be good there. And uh, we'll look at that more and more as the season goes along. But the offense is uh, kind of has a ceiling on it. I think we've talked about that at enough to where we don't have to rehash it here, but the defense just has to be good, and it has not been that for quite a while now. Uh, individually, uh, I would talk about Howard a second ago. I thought Paul Millsap, this is probably the worst game of the season for Paul. Uh, the first half, I thought, was his worst of the season uh, in terms of a two-quarter selection. He was minus 10. He was one of eight shooting, uh, had two turnovers and no assists in the first half for the game. Millsap had uh, you know, seven points, five rebounds. He was two of 13 from the floor. He, he had to leave this game. He actually got caught with a Dwight Howard elbow inadvertently that uh, opened up a, a massive cut on Paul's uh, you know, face and eye region. Uh, you could see his I was almost swollen shut in this game to the point where uh, he he had to come out. He he did, he did come back in. That's Paul being sort of a a good a good leader, a good uh, a good guy who would come back in the game. Uh, with this this game was basically out of hand by the time he came back in, but uh, Paul couldn't be held off the floor, and that's just kind of how Paul is. But he did not play well here. This was a game in which uh, I will not say he was the best player on the court. That's normally my 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 normal line in terms of Paul Millsap, but that was not the case here. He was uh, soundly beaten by guys like Carl Anthony Towns and even Gorgie Jang at times in this game and uh, you know Paul Paul will definitely want this one back once he looks at it on film. Uh, Thomas Felosha I thought was probably the best player for Atlanta over the extended period of time aside from Howard I think you know obviously Howard's numbers were easily the best but Cephalosha had the uh 
aside from garbage time, had the best net rating on the team. Had 13 points, five rebounds. Played. Uh, he was the one guy who kind of competed defensively on the perimeter. I thought he was very, very good in this game. And it's you know, <laughs> I shouldn't say very, very. Good. I thought I thought Tabo was good here. There was a couple moments where not even him was immune to some defensive issues. But uh, I thought he was one of the brighter spots here. Kent Bazemore. 24 minutes, uh, two points, two assists, two rebounds, three turnovers, uh, minus 11. Uh, Kent did not shoot the ball poorly in this game in the sense that he was only one of three from the floor. He was kind of just a non-factor. I saw a couple of uh, a couple of glimpses of what I was talking about on the Monday sh- on the Monday show in which he was better as a facilitator in a couple of spots here, but was not super aggressive and kind of you know he passed up on a wide open uh, kick out three in, se- in semi transition that I thought you know if he's not going to take that shot we're in di- we're in deep trouble here because Baysmore basically has to take that shot even if he's not shooting the ball well it's a wide open catch and shoot in rhythm at the top of the key and he just has to shoot that shot and he was unwilling to do so at that point in time so that is definitely worrisome for uh, Kent in the long term, but uh, it might just be a blip and that his confidence is waning a little bit right now. Dennis Schroeder, uh, you know, generally sort of a non-factor here. Eight points, four assists, played, 20, played only 23 minutes. Uh, Bud wisely punted in the second half and did not kind of push his minutes down the stretch. But uh, Dennis, this is not a good Dennis, Dennis Schroeder game by any means. Off the bench, uh, you know, we saw a lot of Bembry in this game. Bembry played 17 minutes again, you know, 36 combined minutes over the last two games. I thought he showed some things. Uh, Prince in some small minutes played reasonably well in 10 minutes in the fourth quarter, but uh, the bench as a whole was not great here aside from garbage time. Mike Muscala was a minus 25 in 18 minutes. Uh, that's not all on Moose, who actually had four assists, weirdly, in 18 minutes, uh, but he did not play well here. Uh, Mike Scott was uh, hit and miss. He did hit, he did, he did finally hit, hit a three-pointer in this game, but uh, you know Malcolm Delaney, one of six from the floor, did not play well. Kyle Korver, two of seven from the floor, did not play particularly well. It was a minus 24 in 23 minutes. This was an equal opportunity kind of just disaster for Atlanta in basically every way, shape, or form in this game. And uh, that is definitely worrisome for the future in that, you know, some of it could, you know, could be a bad matchup against the against the Wolves. We saw that at home last week. But uh, this Minnesota team should not be thrashing you in the way that they did in this game. And uh, we'll see how that works. You know, the Hawks have three straight home games now on Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday as they wrap up against this, uh, the homestand against the Spurs on New Year's Day. But they're going to have to come home and take care of business here because we've talked about this in the last few shows. This is this is one of the easier stretches, if not the easiest, nine or ten game stretch of the entire season on the schedule. And to start that stretch one and two is really, really not good. So we'll keep an eye on what they do here. I thought, uh, you know, kind of indicative moment of this game was uh, down the stretch with about seven minutes to go. The lineup on the floor was DeAndre Bembry, Torian Prince, Mike Scott, Ryan Kelly, and Chris Humphreys with about seven minutes to go in a basketball game. And that kind of tells you all you need to know about how things went here. They actually were, uh, it wasn't just that crew, but Malcolm Mulaney came back in. There was some positive momentum down the stretch, but uh, Bud kind of seen enough justifiably of his starters. And that was, uh, that was that in terms of what, what transpired here. And, um, yeah, there's not a whole lot to talk, there's not, not a whole lot to say in terms of uh, performance. We can kind of agree this was definitely not one that you want to replicate moving forward. And uh, the team, the team is now 15 and 16 on the season. They're now below 100, they're below 500 in the overall sense and on the road. They're now exactly 500 at home. At se- uh, I believe it's seven and seven at home on the season. And uh, 
listen, this is not a very good basketball team right now. That's kind of the what's kind of the uh, the long and short of it. I, you know, there was some, a lot of overreaction I thought on Twitter after this game, or at least during this game in the second half, and you know, kind of the fire everyone mentality. The this is a really really bad basketball team situation. And look, I won't tell you the Hawks are good because they're really not right now, and that's something that I kind of foresaw coming into the season. I will say though, they're still in the playoffs at, at this moment. It's not an awful basketball team by any means. It's just there, there's been some awful spots recently. And look, if you if you throw if you throw out that nine and two start uh, that everybody seems everybody seems to be uh, grabbing hold of, they are six and fourteen since that moment over a twenty game sample, and that is really 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 not good for the Atlanta Hawks. So uh, we'll come back again on uh, Wednesday morning with a brand new show, brand new show for you guys. We'll kind of maybe, maybe maybe preview a little bit of the homestand, but we'll have a guest on that show that I'm excited about. But hopefully that comes to fruition. I don't, I don't want to tease it here and uh, have it not happen but uh, I'm excited about it when, when it comes together and uh, as always guys thanks for uh, st- thanks for sticking with us uh, I apologize for the uh, again for the second consecutive kind of shorter show but it is Christmas break and I um, listen there's not a whole lot to talk about <laughs> on the positive realm with this performance considering how ugly it was really across the board so I won't bore you with five or ten more minutes of uh, kind of droning on the negativity of this particular game so uh, stay tuned for the next show guys and thanks as always for listening Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.